0: I'm Brian edwards Teekert. It looks like we made that challenge, although that's based on a rough count. They're still counting. Please keep calling. Cover to Cover is next. Yes, this is KPFA 94.1 in Berkeley and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. in darkness from the ones who walk in love. Jennifer Stone with Stone's Thrown. Today is Tuesday. Uh huh. The 21st of September. That means that we're having a marathon. Isn't that fun? I leave it to you to. Get busy and phone in your subscriptions to KPFA. I'll wait till the end of the hour, and then I'll scream and yell and pull my hair out and see if we can get a few phone calls. But let's take a little break and look into the world of print, the world of print. Last night, I went through my file, and I got a stack of, I guess they're blurbs, for 25 years' worth of readings I've done on KPFA and I said to myself I said <laughs> haven't I forgotten something is there any stone unturned is there any anything that I haven't done uh I'm afraid that that list is just as long uh Maybe, maybe next week or the week after, I'll read you a list. I love lists. I have one that's, uh, four typewritten pages long, just the names of writers, authors, and, uh, fabulous people that I have talked to here on KPFA or whose works I have read. Uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. I've got a PhD in KPFA. I'm deeply grateful to all of our listeners, because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have had to do all that reading. <laughs> I I was a purged school teacher back in the 1970s, and it gave me a cause, a cause, boy. I decided that since I couldn't have everything I wanted, I would know everything. Yes, before I died, uh, I have a Uh, friend made me a t-shirt once that says, I don't know more than you don't know. It's the ultimate mantra for know-it-all types like myself. Anyway, after I finished putting together my lists, I thought, uh, I don't think that our listeners here at KPFA are uh, that much interested in my history, although next week, next week at this time, I will be using for my premium a collection of readings of my own uh, from books that I have written. Let's see, one is Telegraph Avenue then, then there's Over by the Caves, uh, Stone's Throw is another book published in, that one was published way back in 1988. More, I'm sure, than you need. Uh, to know but I'll save that for next week you can either call in next week or you can um, ask for that tape it's a CD that um, our dear apprentices are putting together for me here and then I will have that 5 hour collection of the best I'm going to call it Jennifer Stone collected I've never been collected in my life Today, I want to use my precious minutes to read you something that um, not only kept me up all night, I made some copies to send to a few people I know, um, especially people in the U.S. military, some of whom, uh, well, I don't know when people are in shock, I'm not sure whether it helps to uh, fill their mailboxes with articles, anyway. Most of the U.S. military has been debriefed before returning to the United States, but I found here uh, a blog uh, that is heartbreaking. I found it in the October issue of Harper's. It's just out on the stands now. The October issue of Harper's Magazine. That's Harper's October 2010. It's a diary, a blog... The title is One Hellish Choice. This is from the blog of British surgeon Karen Wu, spelled W-O-O. One of ten aid workers with the International Assistance Mission killed in August last month by the Taliban while providing medical care in northern Afghanistan. Now as I said this woman has been killed uh and there isn't a great deal more in her biography except that uh she's obviously from her her letters she's obviously a a young was a young and uh very 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 much alive humorous human being her uh her background, she's from Britain, she's a British surgeon, her name was Karen Wu, and she was with one of the international assistance uh, mission. she was killed in August by the Taliban, and the point of course is that she's not in our military, she's just, um, what do you call that, she's just one of those who went uh, for love of humanity, anyway, Tuesday, December 15th, 2009, Karen Wu writes, My Afghan honeymoon officially ended this morning. I was in the clinic when the bomb by the Hotel Hotel went off. At first I thought something large and heavy had fallen over upstairs. I carried on typing up my notes. One of the nurses came around the corner saying, We got to go, Doc. A suicide bomber had driven a car loaded with explosives into the gates of a nearby compound. The majority of the dead and wounded were civilian Afghans just going about their daily business without the luxury of armored cars or close protection. If I were an ordinary Afghan, I think I'd say, F off, insurgents! Stop blowing yourselves and us up! Footnote. When there are words that I cannot use on the airwaves, I just use the first letter of the word, or sometimes I say whoops, or euphemism, (laughs) back to Karen's diary, Sunday, December 20th, that's last year, I'm now slowly morphing out of my London life, no sexy dresses, no high heels here, I find myself blending in with the blokes, It's strange in a way, as I feel quite at home, though I know that life here for most of my friends back home would seem like one hellish choice. All my life I've planned for a less than easy environment. For a good couple of years as a child, I refused to go to bed without underwear on, just in case I got kidnapped during the night. I was, of course immune to my mother's protests, that it was unhygienic to sleep in your underwear. I just couldn't bear the idea of being taken out through the bedroom window, nightdress billowing, and no clean pants. Thinking back on the things I liked best, really, it was the torches and the penknives the CB radio and the camping kit saying that, though, I was also probably the only tomboy who also loved makeup. I was very happy climbing trees outside the house in my electric blue miniskirt and full 1980s coal black eyes. So for now, I'll continue to cause a stir. By putting on my makeup in my combats, waterproof mascara is a must for any hostile environment. I have a footnote here in my notes. uh I'm going to use that line <laughs> as an epitaph, epigraph, epitaph for a little novel I'm writing now. Yes, I'll repeat it. Waterproof mascara is a must for any hostile environment. Karen Wu goes on to write. uh, She's in northern Afghanistan now. uh, She says, he told me about the tragic case of two of his Afghan colleagues. The recent suicide attack outside the hotel involved the explosion of a van parked just outside. Um, uh, Isamuddin Salim and Rohullah Shams were driving into the hotel and their vehicle was caught in the blast. Rohullah, I'm really massacring some of these Afghan names, but I know you will forgive me. Rohullah died on impact. The term they used was fragmented fragmented in quotes died on impact fragmented Isamod sustained greater than 50% burns over the next few days septicemia set in facilities here are limited Bagram Air Base might have offered a higher level of care but Afghan nationals are not eligible to go there Esamu died. She goes on to write, full insurance for all members of staff would be potentially prohibitively expensive for a company operating here. So they opt to have a tiered system. At the top are the first world nations, the United States, UK, members of the European Union. Then, there are all the imported staff... The Philippines, India, Nepal. In some large companies, the eating and accommodation are segregated. Not expat versus local nationals, but first world versus the others. There are some sick things going on here. Differentiation based on nationality, ...on the passport you hold. Friday, January the 1st, 2010. Last night I was chatting to a couple of our Afghan staff. We were looking at pictures... ...of the Ashura celebrations, that's an event where large numbers of Afghan men gather in the streets... ...to self-flagellate in memory of the death of the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad. Thousands of men take to the streets with whips, which they use to beat themselves across the back. Lashing into the flesh... Some reach a transcendental high. Others sustain deep cuts, lose a lot of blood and collapse. Some of our staff and our Afghan doctor traveled to the uh, Ashura. that's the event, yes, to provide medical assistance. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Our doctor... (laughs) and some helpers uh, swabbed and stitched up the heavily lacerated backs in a makeshift emergency room on the floor of a mosque. The bright red blood soaking through the shredded shirts, smattering marble floors once repaired, some of those receiving treatment, then went back to the procession, ...to continue with their flagellation. Saturday, March the 20th, ...we ventured out onto Tapa Hill, ...the home of the swimming pool ...that was used by the Taliban... ...for executions. Empty of water, it is used by the various youth of Cabal ...as a hangout joint... Of course, there are no girls, but loads of children and young Afghan men milling, walking, chatting. It is a spooky entity knowing that so many people died here in truly horrid circumstances. There is talk of reopening the pool, but I'm not sure I'd want to swim in it like swimming in the memory of someone else's suffering. I have a footnote here at a line from Audrey Lord that I can never forget. She wrote, Never leave your pen lying in someone else's blood. Tuesday, March 23rd, Karen writes, Our new... ECG machine arrived today. We decided to have a little play with it. Rubster and Piggy P were not volunteering. I don't know, the, these are buddies, I guess. Uh, <laughs> they were not volunteering, so I got up onto the couch. They attached the rather fetish-looking leads around my ankles and wrists, Rubster told me he couldn't apply the suckers properly unless I was, quote, further exposed. I whipped off my underthings and said, well then, you best get on with it. I think he was afraid to touch me as the leads were nowhere near my coastal margin. Get what you mean, yes. (laughs) Ladies... If you want to bring an empire down, forget the guns. Apparently, all you need to do is corner your male workmates and show them a slip of lace. It was just then that I understood the powerful psychological weapon of having a petite woman torturer. The absolute loss of power and hope that goes with being interrogated by a woman. It's just too much, and they crack. Tuesday, March 30th. Uh, Gosh, yes, that was my son's 50th birthday, Tuesday, March 30th. And uh, Karen is still alive, Karen Wu. She writes, I've spent the last two days doing Afghan medicals. I have been terrifying Afghan men with my femaleness and my daring use of the stethoscope. It is mightily disconcerting to be perceived as intimidating. They don't say much, but Like small children, they giggle or hold themselves rigid. They say that expat women here are treated like a third race. I feel so very alien. The Afghan ladies are equally perturbing, virtually Victorian in their attitude to undressing. I had to endure my ladies squatting miserably in the corner of the room ...clutching their clothes to their chests. I all but felt like some kind of bully. I sat with a 26-year-old who already has five children. We had run a routine pregnancy test and, unfortunately, hers was positive. She was obviously distressed, crying silently she would now lose her job teaching boys. I felt bad that both she and I were hoping that for her sake the pregnancy, currently in its early stages, would not remain, and so she would be free. Wednesday, June 23rd. This morning I woke up with puffy eyes. I'd been crying a lot, and when that happens, just to make me feel extra glamorous, my eyes get piggy pink and swollen. It's an up-and-down existence here. One minute you're elbow deep in a bowel repair operation, and the next you're in the back of an ISAF military vehicle, having your phone jammed and sweating your... Oops. Sweating your teas off, now I am at my computer in the conservatory, looking out onto the rose garden. There are rabbits frolicking on the lawn. There are butterflies turning tricks between the petals. An ancient tortoise lumbers his way around a fantastic terrarium of grass and trees. This place is an oasis. The last entry that we have in Harper's Magazine, coming from Karen Wu, who died in Afghanistan uh, in August of this year, She writes, on Monday, July 12th, I'm in the shower at home. I'm contemplating the negative impact of taking nail polish on a medical expedition into a remote mountain area of Afghanistan. (laughs) Ridiculous, I know. But several tense minutes were spent thinking through the consequences of bonding with the women of the village over Crimson Lake, or buttercup baby, (laughs) only to find that nail polish is considered to be the devil's spawn, or at the very least, the mark of the harlot, and that my actions are punishable by death. That my actions are punishable by death. I contemplate not wearing any myself. Then I decide that toes a la nude is a mistake, and that I should just risk it with a neutral shade. That is the end of the diary excerpts that come to us from Karen Wu. a British doctor who died in Afghanistan this August. Uh, British surgeon, those were uh, excerpts from her blog. She's not in the military. She was in the international assistance mission, killed by the Taliban while providing medical care in northern Afghanistan. Uh, I see that we have lost, not just a doctor, but uh, a very... A very funny, humorous, great-hearted human being, yes, talking about uh, (laughs) butterflies turning tricks between the petals, yes. I am just amazed at the creativity of uh, human beings. I never cease to be absolutely amazed. I think maybe this business of blogging is going to get us somewhere. It is going to give us literature of a kind that we have never experienced before. I know, I know that I myself need an editor. I love to read uh, magazines and uh, anything that I know at least one other person has approved of or, you know, caught the typos. But at the same time, there's great democracy involved. Uh, Yes, hands-on I love this bit here about the nail polish. I remember twenty, 30 years ago writing so many comic essays uh, about whether or not blue eyeshadow was <laughs> suppliant, you know, we had to have lipstick that we could wipe off and pretend there was no color, you know, just something that would shape the face. Uh, liners, we said, were okay, but no, no base makeup because that was super feminine. We worked that one, (laughs) we worked that one over for years and years. Okay, that piece was called One Hellish Choice, and you can get a copy of it in the October issue of Harper's Magazine, also in the magazine you will find a charming piece that I got a kick out of, it's by Susan Faludi, and it's all about feminism. Feminism. It's called American Electra Feminism's Ritual Matricide, and it's a fascinating article about the generation gap between the second and third wave feminists. Very funny stuff. Susan Faludi is a uh, a journalist. Uh, she wrote a book called Backlash: The Undeclared War Against American Women, and that set her up as a major authority on uh, the history of the women's movement, I liked very much a book she wrote called Stiffed, The Betrayal of the American Man, I noticed that that book was more offensive to men than the first one, uh, the fact that uh, they had been stiff, the fact that uh, the middle class American male feels that uh, he's been betrayed, by his fathers. I think they were more upset about that than they were about the undeclared war against American women. Her most recent book is called The Terror Dream Myth and Misogyny in an Insecure America. Susan Faludi always goes right for the psychological uh, subtexts. Um, and of course, it's all about the battle of the sexes uh, and the battle of the ages. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about it last night, and I, I thought, maybe the reason the gay movement is so popular right now is because it's sex positive. The uh, feminist, so-called feminist movement, seems to be a little confused. The fact is that we have made some solid gains, but now we have to make some solid gains here at KPFA. It's three twenty-seven, and I haven't made any money. I know I haven't made any money. Uh, I have a list here, as I said, three typewritten pages of all the things I've ever done on KPFA. And I have to ask you if you're willing to, uh, to pay for them, folks, to send in your money for a subscription to KPFA. Uh, I don't know. It says here that I should say slowly and carefully our telephone numbers. You know what they are. 510. that's Hey KPFA spelled with an E, we're in the five and dime area code folks, 510-848-5732, or we have 800 numbers, 1-800-439-5732, That's 1-800-HEY-K-P-F-A. Now, as I told you, next week at this time, there will be a tape, about a five-hour tape, of my works on the outside chance that you're interested. I'll be able to play you about 15 minutes of that tape next time. So you'll get the drift. But it is a collage of works. Many funny different things of... Most of them are from Telegraph Avenue, then a stone soup full of existential bones. I'll be back then. Till then, go easy. This has been Jennifer Stone. If you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. La Peña Community Chorus celebrates La Peña Cultural Center's 35th anniversary with a concert on Saturday, September 25th, 8 p.m. at La Peña, 3105 Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley. The poetry and music of revered Chilean poet and songwriter Violeta Parra will be showcased in a cantata called Canto Para Una Semilla. Joining us will be friends Rafael Manriquez, Fernando Feña Torres, Jorge Tapia, Elisa Perez, Evan Reeves, and Pamela Darrington. Concert proceeds benefit the important cultural work of both nonprofit projects, La Pena Cultural Center and the La Pena Community Chorus. Tickets are $15 in advance, $18 at the door. For advance tickets, call...